Hello, I am Bob Bostock. You are listening to Discover DEP, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection's official podcast. Each week, we will provide you with timely information about how DEP protects and preserves New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. Please feel free to add this podcast to your iTunes or RSS feed. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. You can download Discover DEP and subscribe to future editions through iTunes and Google Play. Today we are joined by Bob Van Fossen, Director of DEP's Emergency Management Program, to discuss how DEP handles emergency situations and to talk about some of the emergency situations that DEP faces and that Bob and his team respond to. No matter where you're from or where you live, environmental problems invariably arise. It could be everything from a fire to a spill to droughts and hurricanes, all sorts of other things. New Jersey has dealt with it all, and all of these emergencies have some impact on our environment. And that's where Bob and his team come in. They make sure that no matter what the emergency is, we're doing the things we need to do to protect our environment during the emergency. The DEP, Bob, and the emergency management team are here not only to assess the problems as they come up, but to make sure that they are addressed as quickly as possible and as thoroughly as possible. So, Bob, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, It's good to be here, Bob. Thanks for inviting me. Bob, tell us, what types of emergencies do you and your office handle? Give us some examples of the sorts of things that you do. Good. Okay. You know, over the years, emergency management in the state within DEP, the state and the the country for that matter, have really moved to what's called an all-hazards approach. All-hazards is nobody just deals with one one area, one topic. So, for instance, the two areas I would suggest under all-hazards that we deal with is is, one is man-made, and there's an acronym called CBURN, Chemical, Biological, Radiation, Nuclear, Explosive. So anything in that category we handle here at DEP under emergency management. And of course, the other one that probably makes the bigger news is Mother Nature. So anything from the hurricanes, blizzards, nor'easters, windstorms, to flooding, and we've dealt with that probably all in the last year. In fact, as we do this interview, we're getting ready for Hurricane Matthew, whether it may or may not come up the, 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 the coast of the, uh, of the country, but we're getting ready to be prepared for it if it does. Couple examples, you know, oil spills, for instance. Four or five years ago, probably longer than that now, we dealt with a large oil spill in the Delaware River. There was a vessel called the Athos, was docking down in Paulsboro, hit a anchor that was buried in the river, and tore a gash into the side of it. It was the Saturday before Mother's Day. 265,000 gallons of oil coated about 200 miles of shoreline and about 100 miles of water line. In fact, it closed down the Salem nuclear power plant for three days so the oil would not get into the intakes. So that's a great example of an oil spill. You know, just recently, we're talking about chemical. We just dealt with clamors down out of Atlantic City who was out three or four miles out in the ocean doing clamming. Well, they pulled up an unexploded ordinance. Back in the day during World War I and World War II, as the vessels came into came back in the port, 
they would unload all their weapons and allow their unexploded ordnances overboard three or four miles out. So along the whole coast, from Maine down to Florida, you have a lot of unexploded ordnances. Based on that, these clamors are out. Well, a lot of times they pull up in their nets an unexploded ordnance. Their standard practices uh, and throw it back overboard. Well, in this case, it was leaking. So the fishermen actually pulled it up, looked at it, threw it overboard, but was exposed to the, uh, uh, the mustard gas, which was inside. Had significant burns of his arms, his hands, and his chest. The scary part was that the clams went to the processing facility and were processed and in the facility waiting to be shipped out to the uh, appropriate supermarkets within two days. Well, we heard through the grapevine that this had happened through some whispering down the line through EPA and a few other agencies. So we went out there, we joined up with Coast Guard, EPA, uh, EPA DEP, and State Police, went out there, interviewed the captain, found out it did happen. We were able to secure the contaminated clams at the facility and have them destroyed. But, you know, something like uh, mustard gas in clams, three or four miles out, you'd never think about that. And finally, what we've been dealing with a lot this summer and last summer, it's fish kills. As we know, uh, during the summertime, the water gets warm, the air is warm, and there's not a lot of movement in, in, in the back bays or the inlets. So a lot of times the bunker fish that run up and down the coastline get scared into the inlets by predator fish, whether it be blues, maybe sharks, maybe whales. And what happens is they go up into the, uh, into the warm, shallow waters and they deplete the oxygen. What in the day happens is you have a lot of dead bunker fish. Last year in Shark River, we had a couple million bunker fish in the Shark River. Well, that, what do you do with that? The tide's not going to take it out. The municipalities and the county are saying, holy smokes, we don't have enough people to do anything here. So they reach out to the department. And the department, we did a few unique things. One, we partnered with the Department of Corrections, had inmates out there, about 100 inmates a day for three or four days picking up the fish. And also we tried something that I don't think had been used before, back trucks. So you used back trucks to, to suck those fish out of the water? Up, suck the fish up, yes. Wow. So it, 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 there are three different types of emergencies we've dealt with just over the last year that are, are kind of unique. So there's really no typical day in your office. Uh, it, it sounds like you can be confronted with just about anything, including things that you've never really thought of or prepared for before. So you must have some sort of strategy for dealing with an emergency when it arises because even though the specifics of the situation might be different there are certain things that you know you have to do walk us a little bit through the strategy that you employ when you get notification of some emergency that's popped up so the motto is or at least my motto is plan for the worst hope for the best and you accomplish that by planning and exercising so the OEM process is you, you, you mitigate, you prepare, you respond, and you recover. Mitigation, get, you, you try to prevent the, the issue from becoming a, a bigger issue. Things like that might be doing Hurricane Sandy. We exposed, we had a lot of issues with infrastructure where the power went out and they stopped operating. That was issues with water, wastewater facilities, and a lot of other. Prepare for that. Well, there's a cycle for preparedness. And that's where you plan, you organize, you train, you exercise, and you improve. We do that all the time. And that helps us out when we do a response. Great examples of that is 
something that we're all used to, but you don't think about is fire drills. Mm -hmm. Starting in school, right on through, we just had a fire drill not too long ago here at DEP. You drill and you drill and you know what to do when that fire alarm goes off. That becomes sec second nature. And that's, that is the most important part of, of responding. And it leads to a good response at the end of the day. And then recovery, it's important to return back to where you, where you, close to where you were before the disaster hit. So the DEP is the leader in that, Bob. You look at sand dunes along the beaches. Mm -hmm. Beaches, sand dunes are, is a great mitigation of a hurricane or a nor'easter. When, when those sand dunes do their job and they get disrupted and moved, well, then we go back out there as part of the recovery and rebuild the sand dunes. That's such an important point, Bob, because you hear people say, oh, we put all that sand on the beach and a storm came and washed all the sand away. What they don't appreciate is the fact that it washed the sand away, left the buildings, left the infrastructure, left the people safe on the other side. Far better to have some sand wash away in people's homes and businesses and roads and, and infrastructure and emergency facilities and things of that nature. That gets lost on a lot of people. The sand dunes did their job, and that's what they're there for. And, and, and I guess the last one, the other one that always comes to mind, too, is, is with recovery is infrastructure. You know, after Sandy, we had so much bad flooding and no generators and no fuel. Well, the recovery process is, leads into the mitigation processes. Put generators in there. Figure out a way to get fuel so you don't run through your 50 gallons of gasoline and you're out of luck. Well, we've done, and I think the DEP was a, was a leader in doing this, in, in getting being a sponsor, getting generators out to some of the infrastructure, a lot of the infrastructure, and making sure they had a way to fuel it. So when the power does go down, which it usually does, we have a good way to recover and, and keep those facilities up and running. And your office, Bob, must have to work with other state departments and agencies in a unified effort to respond to emergencies. Who else do you work with across the state government? Great question. And, and it really has come a long way over the last 10 years, Bob. Emergency response, emergency management, back in the early 2000s and up into 2001 was really something you flip on the lights when there was an emergency. Now emergency management, the lights are on all the time. So we use a, we use a system within the state of New Jersey that the EP files called Incident Command. Incident Command, everybody has a role and a responsibility and you bring something to the table. So when we have a large event or even a small event, we, we set up an Incident Command module. We work with our counterparts such as state police, Department of Transportation, Department of Health, Bureau of Public Utilities, DEP. We all work together, we come together, and we all understand that we all have our piece of the pie that we have to, we have to take care of, and that piece of the pie responds safely to the incident. What's unique, I think, in what we do is those responders or those, those incident commanders, now we work together on a daily basis might not be an emergency, but we're always talking to each other. We're always working with each other. So when we show up out on that site at 2 o'clock in the morning, I don't have to introduce myself to somebody, Bob. I know who that person is, and those egos get hung up at the door, and we get right to work. And that, because there is no emergency that happens at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. They're always a Friday at 6 o'clock or Sunday morning at 2 a.m. You've got to have that relationship with those other people. And we, we've accomplished that in, in New Jersey. I see the emails that uh, you send out and that your office sends out. You know, I see them when I wake up in the morning and they're 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm, you know, I wonder how you ever sleep. Well, you know, I have great staff who uh, w we monitor social media all the time. 
and we're always receiving the emails and, and great staff. So, yeah, we're, we're, it's a 24-7 job for sure, Bob. You mentioned uh, monitoring social media. That has become increasingly an important tool in, in kind of having the eyes and ears out there on the ground. If people see some sort of environmental emergency occurring, how can they let DEP know about that? A lot of people might not know. We have a 24-7 communication center. Mm -hmm. Bob, that communication center, as they always remind me, is 24-7, 365. So when you're home having Christmas dinner, they're working. When they're at your home on New Year's Eve, out celebrating, they're working. And we have a toll-free number, Bob, that anybody can call into to report environmental issue. And that's 877-WARN-DEP, W-A-R-N-D-E-P. It's a toll-free number. And also, we, we rolled out not too long ago a NJDEP mobile app. And that mobile app gives citizens the ability to report non-emergency type of issues via their cell phone. So it's an app, you punch in the app, and there's some information that gets filled out. Again, non-emergency information. There's an option to take a picture of what you're looking at and send that to the department. The department looks at that on a regular basis, a couple times an hour. We take that information, we input that information into our systems and then disperse that information out into the appropriate state agencies or local agencies who may need to get that information for a response or a follow-up. So if somebody has, uh, has an emergency that they want to report and they call in on the 877-WARN-DEP, what sort of information should they have to be able to share with the person who answers that call to help? What sort of information should the caller have to help facilitate a quick response to the emergency? A good description of what is happening, a location, and a callback number is, is important if a callback number is important. Because once we get that information, we vet that information based on the information that we receive. We get that out to a division or a sister agency for the appropriate follow-up, which could be a, a response if it was an emergency, emergency situation or a next day phone call, depending on what the situation is. Bob, the, WARN, the 877 WARN DEP is for uh, situations like oil spills, chemical spills, but it's also for things like illegal hunting or illegal disposal of debris. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're out in a park and you see somebody dumping debris, you can call or you can use the mobile app, take a picture and send that in. And again, timeliness is everything. We'll, we'll get that out to the, uh, the appropriate law enforcement agencies within DEP or in municipality and get a response and maybe we can stop that right from the get-go. And that app is a great new tool because I understand it also uh, will give the coordinates yes. uh, where, where you have taken the picture or whatever. But again, a reminder to folks that that's to be used for non-emergency situations. If there is an unfolding emergency, that's when folks should use the hotline 877-WARN-DEP. Yes, sir. Bob, you, uh, in your office and, and your team, uh, there's, there's, it seems that every, every event that is any sort of emergency, you and your team are there on the ground feeding information to the commissioner, which then gets fed to the governor, really an integral part of emergency response, not just to DEP, uh, but for the entire state of New Jersey. Uh, as we wrap up, is, are there any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners before we conclude? I think under Commissioner Martin, we are a boots-on-the-ground organization that gets eyes out there fast, and it's just not my shop, but we do a lot of coordination with the other responders within the DEP, and it's, uh, 
it, it, it's a good organization and, and we're, we're expected to be out there and uh, we take that very seriously. Well, that's great. And, and even though you all work 24-7, I think all the people of New Jersey, and I know I do, sleep better at night knowing that you and your team are available to respond to any sort of emergency as it, as it occurs to not only protect the environment but to protect the public health as well. So, Bob, I really appreciate taking the time out of your very busy day to prepare and to be with us today. A lot of interesting information we have on the description of this podcast, both the phone number for Warren DEP as well as a link to how people can get that app for their smartphones in case they want to report that way. So, Bob, thanks so much for taking time out. Really good to have you here, and uh, continue good luck and, uh, and safety in all that you do uh, every single day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.